morning's reading is from Nehemiah chapter 2, beginning at the 11th verse. I went to Jerusalem, and after staying there three days, I set out during the night with a few men. I had not told anyone what my God had put in my heart to do for Jerusalem. There were no mounts with me, except the one I was riding on. By night, I went out through the valley gate towards the jackal well and the dung gate, examining the walls of Jerusalem, which had been broken down, and its gates, which had been destroyed by fire. Then I moved on towards the fountain gate and the king's pool, but there was not enough room for my mount to get through, so I went up the valley by night, examining the wall. Finally, I turned back and re-entered through the valley gate. The officials did not know where I had gone or what I was doing, because as yet I had said nothing to the Jews or the priests or nobles or officials or any others who would be doing the work. Then I said to them, You see the trouble we are in. Jerusalem lies in ruins and its gates have been burned with fire. Come, let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem, and we will no longer be in disgrace. I also told them about the gracious hand of my God upon me, and what the king had said to me. They replied, Let us start rebuilding. So they began this good work. But when Sambalat the Horonite, Tobiah the Ammonite official, and Geshem the, the Arab heard about it, they mocked and ridiculed us. What is this you are doing, they asked? Are you rebelling against the king? I answered them by saying, The God of heaven will give us success. We, his servants, will start rebuilding. But as for you, you have no share in Jerusalem or any claim or historic right to it. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Cheryl. Now we need to uh, going to build the walls of Jerusalem this morning. So I need some volunteers. Young and old. So we've got the young. <laughs> Owen, thank you. Um, so Owen will come. Uh, and yeah, you, can, you can all come. Yeah, that's it. Come up here. I need a couple more of uh, older, not old, sorry Owen, older, um, older people. Oh, Keith's coming. Good, brilliant. So, um, okay, yeah, you can go, go there. We need to, Oh, I was going to say we needed a couple of guys for the Dungate. So, that's it. We, um, that's so obliging. So, right, what you need to do, uh, like oranges and lemons, you need to make archways and then and make a bit of a tunnel and walls either side. So, um, if you go with Arwen, Hattie, you go with Heather, and that's it, like that. And then Jack and uh, Ryan and Andrew and Lauren and then, uh, and then and Tim. Oh, there we are. I need one more person to go with Tim. Look, so he doesn't feel alone. Don't all rush at once. Oh, thank you. Brilliant. What's your name? 
Joel, nice to meet you Joel. Come on Joel. You go Tim. It's his 18th birthday so give him grief. Right. Brilliant. That's fantastic. Look at that. Mark talks about 15 minutes so if you could just... <laughs> right. I've got some sweets here. Okay. Are you ready? Would you like a sweet? Okay, ready? Go on there. Okay. Ah. Stay there. If you went down, stay down. Okay. If you went down, stay down. Okay, if you went for the sweets. Do you want a sweet? Yeah? Go on then, Joel. Go get one. I think you got it. Okay, you got it with your foot, brilliant. Okay. Excellent. Would you like a sweet? Are ticklish? No? You want a sweet? You can help yourself there. Go on, get it. That's it, stay down now. That's brilliant. Now, fantastic. So this is the sort of situation we have in the story of Nehemiah. Basically, the walls of Jerusalem are broken. Right? They're broken. And this stands for the people of Jerusalem, if you like. They have taken their eyes off God. They've gone after things that have taken their eyes off God and off each other. And what they've ended up doing is looking after number one. They've ended up looking after themselves. Because there's been chaos. They've had enemies coming after them. And they've had all sorts of trials and troubles that have come their way. And the people of God have been separated and they've been sent out to so many different places. And so they've lost pride in themselves. They've lost pride in their community. They've lost any idea that protection was to be uh, given to them by the walls of the city. And also they've forgotten how to relate to each other because they've become such separate groups of people. And so these broken walls become even more broken. So you can sit down now. Oh, and if you want to sit on the stage... And Keith, you may want to. That's it. <laughs> and you can eat this with you. But you've got to sit nicely, and you've got to be a rubble. Okay, you've got to be a rubble. It's basically a broken wall. Alright? This is what you are. And we'll carry on thinking about you as a broken wall. As I say, the people have taken their eyes off God, they've taken their eyes off each other, and they've looked after themselves. And they'd lost sight of the very important things that made up their community life together. Things that left their walls broken and their gates effectively hanging off their hinges. But then Nehemiah came along and all that was about to change. Now there's no doubt that Nehemiah is on an adventure. He started out in a particular direction and he just can't turn back. He's past the point of no return. He's been given a vision by God of what needs to happen. And the vision is to rebuild the broken walls of Jerusalem. This lot. And in today's episode of the adventure, Nehemiah does a very sensible thing. He assesses the situation. He visits the broken walls of Jerusalem. And he looks at them. And he knows before he even starts to enthuse the people about the job that they have to do. He needs to see what they're up against. And he knows that before he even starts to to think ahead, 
He's got to see the size of the job. He's got to see what resources are needed. He's got to see what he and the rest of the people are up against. It's so easy, isn't it, to miss out the important stage in any building work. We want to get on with the building. We want to get on with the job. We want to start doing the new thing. We want to do the new project. And so we cut corners. About uh, eight years ago, when Kate and I lived in Newton, uh, we uh, had a study there and I wanted to put some extra shelves up in the study. And I'm rubbish at DIY, Kate will tell you. I'm terrible. Uh, But my dad's not, he's very good. So he came to help. Okay? And I knew exactly where I wanted these shelves and I was very determined about it. My dad said, okay. But we didn't do the job properly. We wanted to get out and spend the day somewhere else doing something much nicer. And so we didn't assess the situation properly. And the other side of the wall where I wanted the shelves was the fuse box. And my dad and I wrongly assumed that all the cables were running away from the place where we wanted to put the shelves up. Bang! And a huge flash as my dad flew halfway across the room. He was okay, but we drilled right through, well actually we, he, had drilled right through the cable that ran to the cooker. Ouch. So we spent the rest of the day digging the cable out of the wall <laughs> while the electrician came to help us fix it. All because we didn't do the job properly. We didn't assess the situation it's so important. Without doing the groundwork, without doing our homework, and properly looking at the job in hand, we can run into trouble down the line, and we end up going back to the drawing board. And this is true for whatever we set out to do in life. It's true with homework, isn't it? We can cut corners. Or with a painting job. Or a job that is happening in the garden. Whatever it is, we try and get on with the job quickly, instead of doing the preparation work. And so often it just leads to a botched job, doesn't it? Or we end up doing so much more work in the end. And I think this is what so often happens in our church life. When we have a succession of events or projects that fizzle out very quickly. We don't have a properly formed vision in which we've assessed where we're starting from, what we're working with, the resources needed and what the task involves. But Nehemiah did not make this mistake. And there are a number of interesting things that I think leap off the page from this particular episode of his adventure. And they concern what Nehemiah did and what it was that inspired him and drove him on as he looked at the situation. Firstly then, Nehemiah inspected the walls. He walked the walls. A little bit what I've been doing this morning, walking the walls. Now the walls of Jerusalem, as I've said, represent more than bricks and mortar. They stand for the pride, the protection, and the community life of God's people. When Nehemiah looked at the broken walls, the heaps of rubble, he saw much more than a physical building project. He saw the need to help restore pride to the people, to provide protection for the people and to rejuvenate the community life, the relationships of the people. As we look to grow as a church, as Christ's church, we need to assess the practical things that need to develop. Yes, of course we do. 
but we also need to look at the underlying things that affect our relationship with God and our relationships with one another. The question is, will we commit to do something about that? Those underlying things that affect our relationship with God and our relationships with one another. Secondly then, Nehemiah inspected the gates. Now the gates are the way into the city. They represent the welcome into the community. And as a newcomer to the community, Nehemiah would have been very aware of the importance of these gates because they represent the hospitality of the people, the value placed on newcomers, the expectation that people will want to join the community. When Nehemiah looked at the gates, hanging off the hinges, burnt and broken, he saw more than planks of wood and bits of metal. He saw the need to help the people provide a warm welcome to the wider community, to value newcomers, to improve hospitality, to raise expectations that people will want to join. As we look to grow, we need to assess the practical things that will improve our welcome. There's no doubt about that. The wood and the metal. We need to do that. The appearance of church. The quality of the information that we provide. There's no doubt about it. But we also need to examine our attitudes and our behaviour. The very things that affect the way that we welcome others from the wider community into our own church community. Let's ask God to help us to face up to the things that need to improve concerning the way that we value our wider community. Thirdly then, Nehemiah faced up to reality. He was not afraid to see things the way they truly were. Without doing this, he might have underestimated the size of the job. He may have asked for too few people to help. He may have got his plans wrong. And as we look to grow as a church and ask God to give us a vision, a picture of the church he wants us to be, it will be very important for us to assess where we're at, to assess our walls, to evaluate what we have at the moment, to face up to the things the way they really are, to see what needs changing and what needs removing before we embark on building or rebuilding new projects, new events, new ways of being church. And so between May and July this year, something very exciting is going to happen. We're going to have an evaluation process as a church, and everyone will have the opportunity to contribute, young and old. We'll explore themes and ideas that cover all the main parts of church life. But then we want to explore things further through worship, prayer and conversations in small groups. This is because myself and the PCC feel very strongly that we need to evaluate, take stock as a community, in community, in relationship with one another, listening to each other, learning from each other. We can't do this as a whole church on a Sunday morning because numbers just won't allow it. And also, giving something like individual feedback through a questionnaire or something like that, it's just that, isn't it? It's individualistic. It's very isolated. We don't do it in relationship with one another. And so that won't do either. And the children and young people, you'll be doing it as well. You'll be allowed to think about how our church is, what needs to improve, how things need to change. 
and you'll be able to have your input too. And on May the 8th and May the 15th, the Sundays, we're going to have uh, uh, combined services at 10.30, and those services will uh, combine parts of 9 o'clock services and 10.30 services. And then we'll, they'll be followed by a lunch on these two Sundays. Lunch will be provided, but you'll be able to give towards the cost of that lunch. And over lunch, home groups that already exist will be able to welcome those of us who want to join a group and become part of those, either temporarily just for the evaluation process or permanently. And you'll be able to uh, join those groups over lunch. Now I hope and pray this will provide us with a wonderful problem of groups that are too big. So I'm praying for that. And then Ursula, John and Libby, the home group coordinators, along with the home group leaders, will have the problem of, of, of sorting that out. But it's a nice problem to have. And as we get together over lunch, information will be provided as to where the groups meet and when, so that it will help us all make our decisions. And for those who do not want to be in a home group, and I, don't, I hope there won't be many of those, even just for a short time, or those who can't meet in the evenings or whatever, then we're going to provide some discussion groups during the evaluation process over coffee following the morning services. And feedback that's given during these discussions, during these groups, will be collected and fed back into the Standing Committee and the PCC, and then we'll be able to act on it as a church over the coming months and years. So it's a very exciting opportunity for us all to have an input, but to do it as a community in community. Does that make sense? I hope it does. So if that was the third point, then the fourth one that leaps off the page is this. And this is the final one. Nehemiah was aware of God's gracious hand being on him. After Nehemiah began reporting to the people what trouble they were in, the state of these walls, look at them. Terrible, aren't they? He told them that God's favour was with him, that God's blessing, God's support. Nehemiah told him, told them that he came with God's royal seal of approval. And because of that, all their needs would be met. Every resource, every brick, every bit of energy, every bright idea would be there just when they needed it. We have this support from God too, as this precious church in this place. We carry God's royal stamp of approval. And so he will support us. He will rebuild what was... Pay attention. He will rebuild what was broken. He'll put things in their rightful place. He'll give the people a purpose. He'll give them pride. He'll give them protection. And he'll fling wide the gates to welcome newcomers. People with fresh insight, fresh gifts, fresh ways of doing things, fresh ways of seeing things, just like Nehemiah. And we'll be a community, the people God always intended us to be. 
Do you want to play your part? Do you want to be a part of these walls and the rebuilding of them? Because I do. And I desperately want all of you to play your part. So over the weeks and months that come in the next year, I pray that God will give you a very clear idea of what it is he wants you to do and how you can contribute to this whole process. And let's pray that as a church, as we evaluate, as we do that brave thing like Nehemiah and face up to the reality of the situation, that God really gives us courage and insight and lots of bright ideas. Amen. Well done, everyone. Sit down. We're going to spend some time now in prayer and we're going to respond to what we've been thinking about. And um, 